It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Right now at Safeway, save on all your favorite home scents and cleaning products for a fresh, clean home. Shop for deals on items like Glade candles and plug-ins, Febreze air fresheners, Clorox cleaners, Swiffer wet cloths, or Scotch-Brite sponges. Plus, deck the halls and shop for deals on items like mini light sets, holiday wrapping paper, holiday candles, and holiday cards. Offer expires December 26th. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for full offer details. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. It's the Custard TV podcast. The TV podcast run by myself, Luke, Matt in the northern area. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, sir. And our special guest this week from the Killing Times crime drama um, website is Paul Hirons. How are you, friend? Uh, I'm good, uh, Luke. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Pleasure. What what would you be doing ordinarily if I didn't hijack your Saturday? Oh, you know, watching crime drama, that kind of thing. No, I don't know. Probably going to a football match. Uh, I'm back up in the Midlands at my folks' house at the moment. So, uh, yeah, I'd probably go and see my local non-league team play. Sorry I've diverted you from that, but let's just... That's all right. They're rubbish. So, uh, (laughs) What's what's the team, Paul? Leamington FC. They're not Ah. that rubbish, actually, but, you know, it's non-league. So it's kind of lots... uh, about three old men and their dogs kind of chuntering away on the sidelines. and uh, Well, thanks to me, uh, today it'll be two old men and their dogs. Well, exactly, right? exactly, exactly. <laughs> the home ground isn't going to be as full as it normally would be. No, that's <laughs> right, yeah. The, the, the capacity's been halved by uh, my absence today. <laughs> Luke and Matt. This could be a podcast. A podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them. This. This is the Custard TV podcast. Yes, that will entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. Before oh. we start talking about the, the shows we've seen, your website, The Killing Times, is a, yeah. it's a, sort of a, a great look at crime drama in sort of all its different forms. Thank you. What is it about crime drama specifically for you that makes it so interesting to review and cover on a weekly basis? Because there's a lot of it. Yeah. And what makes what makes one piece of crime drama stand out over another piece? Because we've got two to talk about that yeah. feel very different today. What what would you say well, makes I think the cream of the crop stand out? You've just hit the nail on the head there, Luke, really. I think that it's a huge umbrella, really. And beneath that umbrella, um, you've got lots of different sort of subgenres. So you've got, you know, your your bog standard procedurals, and I don't mean that I don't mean to damn that subgenre with with faint praise you know your police men and women going from place to place you know in a procedural kind of way that's kind of 
one thing. You've got gangland dramas. You've got thrillers. You've got psychological thrillers. Uh, you've got like who done it. You've got why done it. So there's there's quite a few different types of crime drama under the big umbrella. They're addictive because there's often a puzzle to solve through it. And I, I think audiences quite like to be carried along by the momentum of a procedural and a puzzle-solving journey. Uh, and they also like a resolution at the end. Crime drama fans, both in actually crime fiction and crime drama, kind of like the idea that even though horrible things happen within an hour on ITV or BBC or Netflix or wherever it is, uh, it is confined to that screen. It's kind of, it isn't real life. People like like the thrill of being scared. People like the thrill of, you know, that kind of whole roller coaster funny feeling in your tummy you know of, of feeling scared and I think crime drama can I mean you look at things like Line of Duty and Bodyguard and also to some extent something quite recent like the capture that finished last week it does have that momentum that crazy pace to it and that kind of stomach dropping excitement and and fear and everything all roll into one so I think there's that and of course you've got the characterization as well you've got some really memorable characters in crime mm. drama, uh, and especially with the rise of uh, Nordic noir or so-called Scandi noir, you've got a really strong sense of place. You know, you've got a fantastic uh, backdrops that we haven't quite seen before. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, Scandinavian crime drama has really influenced British drama throughout this decade, actually. And we've just published our top 20 crime dramas of the decade on, on the site. There is a place for cosy crime drama, like your Midsummer Murders or Grandchesters or whatever it might be. People go to those shows for a very specific viewing experience. Yeah. But the darker stuff, like the Scandi Noirs, uh, they've introduced all kinds of different things, a, a greater depth of character, I think, uh, a much higher level of respect for both the victims and the victims' families. Uh, you know, trapped from Iceland, for instance, or the bridge or the killing or wherever it might be. Suddenly, we're getting we're getting to see different cultures, like uh, you know, uh, from Denmark and and Sweden, and all the wonderful backdrops and uh, and rural areas. Uh, and you could uh, you could maybe apply that to Welsh crime drama, which has also become a thing, uh, almost a subgenre in itself. Things like uh, Hinterland and Keeping Faith and Hidden, uh, which is coming back in November. So. You know, there's a lot to talk about there. I've tried to be as concise as possible. I probably jumped all over the place, but there's there's a really thrilling aspect to crime drama. There's a real addictive quality to it, and there's some fantastic iconic characters that have come out of that genre. And also, what I love about the killing and the bridge, particularly, they they've got longer to tell their stories than the yes. six we're normally given or the four we're normally given. So you get more depth that way, and. Uh, that's something I've always appreciated well, well, about it. If you look at the first series of The Killing, which uh, came in at number two in our... Uh, 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 there you go. <laughs> uh, I've got to give a little tidbit so uh, people won't visit the site, right? Um, that The first series, believe it or not, when it debuted on BBC4 in 2011, yeah. was 20 episodes long. That's 20 mm. hours of television. 
20 um, weeks. Well, it would have been over 10 weeks on BBC4. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But I, mean, I know, like, you know, network shows in the US, you know, your big name kind of, I wouldn't say trashy, but your, again, bog standard, you know, primetime network drama oft, or comedy often runs for sort of 20, 22 episodes in the States. Uh, but for a crime drama, that was absolutely unheard of, you know, and it really took advantage, as you say, of that the extra time it had to tell its story because we it was easily up to that point the most multifaceted story in crime drama that we'd ever seen before and also what the scandies do is they there's so much plot in there they bring in characters where you don't know who's connected to who or yeah. where what's important in the story do you feel like we're doing I, I still don't feel like we're doing that in, in our drama particularly I feel like we're still very much this is this person that is that person to, to a degree we're still very a b and c story I think yeah I think you're right in to some extent but I think it has got much much better and I do put that down to the Scandi uh, stuff you know I mean the first series of Broadchurch was absolutely fantastic but it really in 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 the way it depicted family of the victim kind of was really influenced by the killing yeah. and i think yeah. you get that a lot now and certainly dublin murders which we'll talk about in a moment there's an element of that same sort of respect given to families uh who are going through the trauma as much as the police men and women who are investigating it um you know the killing did introduce lots of red herrings the bridge did as well if you look at something like the capture and line of duty there's there are red herrings all over the place but you are right um i think it is especially prime time stuff it is a little bit more a little bit sort of abc kind of storytelling however i think it has improved dramatically now uh, and you know i think british drama because also that the, this whole rise and you can crime drama especially you look at somewhere like wales uh s4c the the welsh language channel there you know they realize that crime drama sells not just in their own country but across the world and the yeah. same with uh trapped in iceland iceland was making uh dramas and crime dramas on their uh, state broadcaster for years but they suddenly realized that thanks to the bridge and the killing there was a real appetite for a subtitled crime drama in this in this case so suddenly your tiny market becomes a massive global market and i think it's the same for the bbc on itv you look at dublin murders that's been sold to stars in the u.s yep. and across the world broadcasters to survive have got to make sure their product is top notch you know both in yeah. direction the look of it the act the big name actors and of course the story and i do think that has raised the bar and uh, certainly the two dramas that we're going to talk about today uh would fit into that category i think absolutely we're going to be talking about them in a second first though and it's my fault if we didn't get a lot of re replies to this because I did this late in the week. We're also going to be talking about Danny Dyer's criminal <laughs> game show. <laughs> yeah, that's the, the biggest crime of the week. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we came up with what's your favourite Saturday night piece of entertainment. I have to confess that when I was younger, in sort of the, the early 90s, 
I was really a sucker for Noel's house party. Probably think it was awful if I watched it today, but that was traditional Saturday night sit down with your folks and fish and chips and Noel. I, I, I just thought that was perfect. And Anton Deck have sort of redone it with Saturday Night Takeaway to a different extent, but it felt really revolutionary at the time. I'm sure it wasn't looking back now. But I will fight anyone who says the creation of Mr. Blobby wasn't the greatest piece of 90s TV they've ever come across. I can't think of anything better in the 90s than Mr. Blobby. What about you, Matt? Did you have one? Um, yeah, I mean, I think um, I was the other side, really. I was, again... ITV? ITV, yes, going back to the mid-90s. I was always be watching sort of the, the triple threat that was You Bet Gladiators and Blind Dates, really, was my... Who hosted You Bet? I don't remember. Matthew you Kelly. Yeah. Oh, You Bet he did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, yeah, that was sort of Saturday nights for me. I think that was... That, that was a good sort of lineup. That's the one that's sort of nostalgic for me. And uh, you say Noel didn't come round very much to you. I actually went to a uh, down your doorstep that we found out was happening like a few roads oh. down from me once. So there you go. Paul, I know yeah. you're in the world of Scandi drama, but when you want to let your hair down, is yes. was there or is there a piece of Saturday Night Entertainment that you actually enjoy rather than this is just bog standard Saturday Night TV? Well, I was going to say there are no deaths in Saturday Night TV, but of course there was one with Noel's House Party. Was or was it the Late Late Breakfast Show? I can't remember. It yes, was it was Noel's show before, wasn't it? Yeah, that was a, a tragic sort of real life. I'm, I'm not chuckling. I'm just chuckling because of the absurdity and the the weirdness of that. You know, the I can't the, remember this. Basically, I, I'm a child of the '80s, so I had to put it with Paul Daniels' magic shows, Game for a Laugh with Jeremy Beadle. And uh, what else? So the Price is Right with Leslie Crowther. Numerous <laughs> Bruce Forsyth things that, you know, obviously peaked with a generation game. The, the precursor to Noel's House Party was the Late Late Breakfast Show, which was pretty much the same sort of thing, you know, without the crinkly bottoms and this kind of weird proto-Teletubby on acid uh, kind of... <laughs> bouncing around the studio so the late late breakfast show sort of ran from 82 to 86 and i kind of weirdly i i, I can't figure them out right now but i used to quite like noel edmonds because i used to work yeah, uh, weird. used to watch uh swap shop in the mornings i was more of a swap shop than a tiswas guy but that's another genre controversial. very controversial i don't know what i was thinking at the time frankly no. looking, one of its segments had some stunts that people did because it was telly. And um, one guy, uh, yeah, Michael Lush in 1986. Uh, oh, you've got an amazing memory. It's almost like you didn't Google it. Exactly right. As if I didn't prepare for this chat at all. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I remember. And it's kind of the next week there was some weird 80s film on because they decided to stop the Late Late Breakfast Show because this guy Michael Lush, I don't, I can't remember what the, what the the stunt was, but um, yeah, he basically died, and oh, uh, that's keep that it was, light. Yeah, that wasn't a very good thing. And also, the weird thing about Saturday night, Saturday night telly back in the eighties, you always had an American show on quite early doors where sort of the chase and pointless would be right now, you know. So. Yeah. You used to have the A-Team and Knight Rider. 
on uh, Saturday nights on ITV. And uh, I used to be massively into the A-team. I, 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 I had an A-team tent. Really? Yeah. Yeah, didn't put it up myself. Yeah, I was going to say, you're not much of a camper, are you? <laughs> no, not really. But I just, I must have told the story about me and Noel in a helicopter before. Yes, you've told yes. that, I think. You haven't told me before. No, I, I, we lived close to Silverstone Racetrack for a okay. time. And uh, Noel Edmonds is a pilot, and he was inviting kids in the local area to go up in a helicopter with him, which probably nowadays I'd be a bit sceptical yeah. of. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, we're getting into U-tree territory now. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Blobby was there, he didn't do anything inappropriate. Yeah, but it was nice, I enjoyed it. And it was, I remember Nick Knowles was there as well, but I can't think why Can Nick Knowles was there? Yeah, Nick Knowles wow. was there. Uh, uh, well, family member to you, isn't he? Well, yeah. Well, uh, and they were reunited nice. last year on I'm a Celebrity. Yeah, he didn't mention me. I was a bit annoyed. <laughs> Maybe they no, seriously a family member. Sorry, I no, don't know. No, no, I've just I've just got the same surname. It's me, uh, Nick, and be me, Nick, and Beyonce. We very rarely meet up when we do. Yeah. It's a riot. But when you do, goodness me, watch out. <laughs> Did we get many responses, Matt, on, um, on social media? Uh, I didn't to, give can a lot I of just time. ask Luke what was Noel's hair like? Oh, it uh, was because I'm constantly amazed. That's his hair, even it though was he's perfect. It, and eight, the annoying seven. thing was, because my mum had a bit of a crush on him at the time, yeah. as did most mums, and uh, he had a helmet on when he was driving so we could chat to one another with a little mic, and even when he took his helmet off, his hair was perfect. He didn't get a helmet hair? No. I don't know how he managed lustrous, it. Lustrous, yeah. highlighted mane yeah. of Aslan proportions. Yeah. It was. I, I remember my mum was a bit transfixed with it, and if it had been now, we'd have loads of pictures of it. But I think we took one Polaroid picture, which has since been lost in the ether since 1993. But yeah, I remember thinking, God, he looks exactly like, and the hair is going to look a right mess when he takes this helmet off. But no, it sort of just sprang into place magically. What? What a man. I know. I'd just like to uh, uh, kind of say that I wasn't linking Noel Edmonds at all to any U Tree investigations in no. my gag. Earlier. He'll cut that out, don't we? Okay. Well, I, I, won't, I won't know he's done the apology. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you need to okay. stick to his hair. What lovely yeah. hair. He <laughs> what has. lovely hair the man's got. By exactly. the way, I should say at this point, if you want to visit uh, Paul's website and look at the full top 20 countdown of crime dramas of the decade, it's thekillingtimestv.wordpress.com. Uh, what did people say on social media? That not, uh, yeah, not a lot of responses. And they were all Noel's house party as well. Oh, to, okay. to the Noel. See, um, it's I, all the hair. Yeah, um, Michael Lee says Noel's house party that probably ages me, but I love watching it with my mum, and it always annoyed dad because he hates Noel Edmonds. He did use capitals there for the hates. Cameron Yard Jr. also said Noel's house party at its peak, the most inventive and unpredictable hour of live TV. And then interestingly, um, Cameron had started a conversation about Noel's house party, which um, related um, to someone sending a message. Uh, saying, um, wanted, um, where can I get a personalised wedding video from Mr Blobby? And then, and then um, added us in it, I think, because our feed was full of uh, Noel's house party. Because apparently the one on celebrity video messages is now defunct. 
Oh, God. The things you learn. Baseball problems. Can I, can I just the one thing that I really enjoyed, when even I guess I was a teen, you know, coming up to teenager in the 80s, was uh, Saturday Night Live on Channel 4. Channel 4 was a relatively young channel back then. It started with Friday Night Live and it introduced people like Harry Enfield and Brian Laurie and, um, you know, had the Dangerous Brothers on, Age Emerson and Rick Mail. And, you know, that, that, that real sort of alternative comedy boom was captured in those shows. I still think there's room for a really, yeah. really good alternative variety show sort of late-ish at night, because I think we've never been able to do that since Saturday Night Live. We've tried with the late-night talk shows. I still think there's a room for a that-was-the-week-that-was type of alternative comedy show with a bit of quality music. Uh, I think TV's uh, lost its anarchic yeah. side. I mean, Chan- Channel 4 do keep trying to do that, don't they, with, like, Big Nasty. They've got something with Judge Rind has done one, hasn't he? They do keep trying to do that. I mean, I suppose they've got The Last Leg is the yeah, newest thing I, possibly I like to it. Yeah, I not Last Leg at all, no. but you know, it's quite popular, so fair play. But as I say, Saturday night, 10 o'clock, can't be asked as much a day, you're not a football fan, BBC Two, Channel 4, whatever it might be, get some quality music on some quality comedy and i think it would be quite good wouldn't it i think we've lost our anarchic side on tv mm, at the moment i agree with that ignoring in general i think yeah you know, people wide... are offended at other people these days and they don't like other people's point of view so they shout at each other quite a lot which yeah, we will be doing later obviously <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we, I feel like we're building up to it. It's all nice at the moment. You wait exactly. until 20 minutes It's in. the calm before the storm, that's what it is. This is the Custard TV Podcast. Later on, Paul will be going through Boxmaster, but before we do that, there are three shows we need to discuss. The first being BBC One's brand new crime drama from Queen of Them, Sarah Phelps, you may know that she uh, adapted a lot of the Agatha Christie stories, um, starting with them, then there were none. Then she did Witness for the Prosecution. She's done a lot. She did Hercule Poirot with, with John Malkovich recently, and now she's adapting these new stories, Dublin Murders, going to be shown in double bills over the next Monday and Tuesday nights at 9 on BBC One. Killen Scott and Sarah Green, they're detectives Rob Riley and Cassie Maddox. It's a new psychological thriller and it's drawn from Tanya French's best-selling Dublin Murder Squad novels so she's adapted them and this one is about Cassie and Devlin working together when the body of a young girl is found in the woods the woods being the same place that two other children went missing back in 1985 and not to spoil anything but there's a bigger connection to the case than we initially realised in a bit of a nice twisty thing at the end of episode one. Paul, as a crime drama fan, what did you think? Yeah, I really liked it. Uh, it ticked a lot of boxes. I I absolutely adore Sarah Phelps. I think she's one of this country's best screenwriters. Has and a great ear for dialogue, doesn't she? Her language is fantastic. Her use of language, rather, is fantastic. Dublin Murders is, is taken from Tana French, uh, kind of an award-winning crime novelist. Two of her Dublin Murder Squad books, uh, In the Woods and The Likeness, and that's quite a task. Um, She's meshed them together. 
basically is what she's had to so, do here. So good and quite an achievement, uh, kind of fusing two novels in one eight-part series. And I think for me, it just ticked a lot of boxes that you look for in quality crime drama. Uh, some intriguing central characters. Not quite sure whether you liked them or not initially. Um, you've got uh, an intriguing murder. And you've got lots and lots of layers. There are plenty of familiar things in there. Rob Riley and Cassie Maddox's boss is your old school kind of swearing police chief that you... That you Conal of Hell, isn't it? From yeah, Game that's of right. Game of Thrones. And he's great. Um, Last got, time I saw him, he was dressed as a Smurf in car share, so that threw me a little. Yeah. Before that, he was a eunuch, so uh, he's, he's broken out of his type, really. Um, uh, so it's great to see him uh, in a in a role that kind of is a little bit different for him. Um, as I say, it's got a strong sense of place. I love Ireland and I love uh, Dublin in particular. And of course, you've got you've got various layers because the two coppers are investigating a murder that has taken place in the present day. And then, as you rightly mentioned, it's got connections to a murder that happened, uh, you know, some year, a couple of decades earlier. Yeah. Also, you've got this kind of socio-political dimension, which a lot of the Scandi stuff has. So for me, it ticked a lot of boxes. Very atmospheric. Things unfold not very slowly, but slowly. So you're constantly wanting more information about the actual murder itself and also the connection that uh, certain people have with the murder that happened previously uh, and that's that's i think that's that's paced just nice nicely the release of information just keeps you keeps you going keeps you wanting more so yeah i really i really liked it yeah i i, I agree with some of what paul was saying but and i don't know if this is just based on uh, the week i've had but i really couldn't get into this very much um oh, really, that... yeah i found it a bit of a slog if i'm honest at times i did watch the two episodes that were on this week because i thought you know you can't always judge it by the one episode and there were bits in the second episode that I, I, I like that they focus more on her in the second episode. I did like Conleth Hill as the sort of, you say, like the old school uh, boss. Get in my office. But, yeah, yeah, but I, I wasn't intrigued by the central mystery, really, um, or his past, really. I feel like it's things that I've seen before. And it's a shame because I do really like Sarah Phelps's writing, but I just couldn't get myself into this um at all um and he sent me to sleep twice as well which is yeah. which is oh, that's not good. <laughs> I think my, my, my point of view on this is i would agree with the majority of what paul says it's brilliantly atmospheric it looks stunning the central mystery is really interesting the family at the center of it is really interesting my bugbear was i really didn't like killing scott in the in mm. the role i really struggled with him I thought some of his delivery was really clanky. And maybe that's down to who he is and maybe that's the way he's playing it. But I struggled with him. And I also struggled with the the two of them as a partnership, really. I didn't really connect with them as a team. I mean, do you think that's important, Paul, that the, the oh, team at the central... What did you think of them as, as a duo? Yeah, that's really interesting. I, mean, I think it is, uh, generally speaking, when you get a successful police or investigative team, there's normally a bit of yin and yang about them, you know? So, for instance, you take yeah. uh, Saga Noren and uh, Martin Roda out of the bridge, two completely opposite characters. 
the reason why they work is because they're so opposite, because they rub each other, rub each other the wrong way, because they're so different. I think we'll warm to these guys as the series goes on because I think Phelps absolutely set us up for... So basically it starts by those two guys investigating a separate murder. They're just on the street. They get called to to sort out a murder. For the first five, ten minutes, we see them at work. We get to know them a little bit. And as yeah. you say, you're kind of like, I'm not sure whether I like this guy or not because or this character, this, you know, Rob Riley. He's a little bit cocky. In fact, together they're a little bit cocky. To begin with, I do think they're being set up for us not to love them straight away. Mm, maybe um, that's right then. And I think as as the as we see it in tra- in trailers, we know that these guys are about to face their biggest test they've ever had. You I know, didn't know you did the voices. For well, I don't, I, don't like to, I don't like to share. But I do think, yeah, they were set up as initially quite cocky, a little bit arrogant even. And the case that they're about to embark on is going to destroy them, basically. I'm hoping that will grow to like them more and more yeah. uh, as the series goes by and as as this case uh, kind of gets under their skin and gets under our skin as well. Um, I certainly, think actually it's, um, it's a smart decision the BBC have made to put this on over two nights every week because there's an awful lot going on and you've got to keep your wits about you. I was saying that we don't do dense stories overly, but this is packed in because it's the two novels. She's got a lot of stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's there's lots of layers and there's stuff that comes out in episode two where you think, oh my goodness, there's another layer. It's going to be interesting to see whether Sarah can kind of keep that balance, but I'm sure she can. So, but yeah, I thought it was a strong, in crime drama terms, um, obviously I watch a lot. I thought it was, I thought it was quite a strong start and I'm looking forward to seeing where the series goes. So that is Dublin Murders, Mondays and Tuesdays at nine on BBC One. I'm somewhere in between Matt and Paul. I'm in sort of a sandwich. I don't know. <laughs> I don't quite. I uh, it's a, it's an odd position to be in because you're normally the negative one. I don't yes, like this. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> We'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email. Custard TV reviews at gmail.com. So the next drama, actually, we've got a lot of starting this week, is on BBC Two. It's called Giri Haji. It's on Thursday nights at nine. And it is the BBC's first ever dual language drama that I can think of. So half of it is set in Japan and the rest is set in the UK. This is another dense one that I'm going to struggle to sort of sum up so we can talk about it. So did you want to have a stab? I'll have a go. Shall I have a go? Yeah, you have a stab at this. (laughs) So as you say, this starts off in Tokyo and we we focus on, is he a detective? Um, Yes. Kenzo, um, he's he's investigating initially a murder um, in a restaurant or a multi-murder in a restaurant involving several members of the Yakuza. And during this, they come across a, a photograph that would suggest that um, Kenzo's brother Yuto is still alive um, and is um, in in the UK. He believes his brother had died, um, but he then goes to um, the UK to uh, under the pretenses of attending uh, like a crime lecture um, headed up by a character played by Kelly McDonald. While he's there, though, he's he's feels that there's people who are trying to sort of slow him down and then he's also and we're back how we doing anna well todd things are heating up 
Ooh, yes, Nelson with the jalapeno poppers. Incredible. Ramirez comes in hot with a cheeseburger, patty, lettuce, tomatoes. Beautiful formation. Is he? <gasps> He's going for it. Ramirez grabs the Duke's mayo. Look at it go. The twang. Anna, this is the best tailgate I've ever commentated on. Tailgate with twang. Get the official mayo of the tailgate. Duke's mayo today. Right now at Safeway, earn four times rewards points when you shop for participating items with Safeway for you. Shop for items like Frigo Crumbled Blue Cheese, Kellogg's Club Crackers, Coca-Cola, All Liquid Detergent, or Utz Chips, and earn four times rewards points with Safeway for you. Offer expires January 4th. Plus, get select holiday essentials like gift wraps, bags, holiday decor, lights, and more. Buy one, get one 50% off. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com or head in store for full offer details. It strikes up a sort of, I wouldn't say a friendship, but a sort of keeps bumping into this rent boy played by um, Will Sharp. So, um, and the, the final scene sees him have a sniper rifle aimed against him. So there's there's that. Paul, first of all, you've seen, yeah. we've only watched the first one for, for podcast reasons. You've yeah. seen the first three that are available yeah. to us by our special journalistic means. It feels something very new to me, very different. Uh, what what were your take on it? Again, there are lots of familiar elements to this. It's quite a classic noir story, you know. Uh, you've got the kind of moody detective who just so happens, in this case, to be Japanese. And I must say, I could not wait to see this. I mean, it's created by humans, Joe Barton. So there's pedigree there behind the camera. Mm. You've got, like, two top-line Japanese stars who I don't know too much about, but apparently in Japan they're big stars. No, they're big names, yeah. Japanese culture I absolutely love. I love old school moody detective noirs, you know, those guys and uh, and women actually just trudging the streets late at night, lots of neon lit stuff. And I was like, just mainline it into my veins. Give it to me now. <laughs> so I was really looking forward to it. And what's interesting is that uh, they use sort of bits of mixed media. So there are bits, uh, there's a few animated scenes mm. Obviously, being ja- being Japanese, they're taking advantage of that kind of the Japanese love of uh, anime and, and and things like that. So there's an animated scene within the first episode where which you think, wow, this is great. Again, everything's shot really cinematically. There's some kind of the widescreen ratio uh, uh, is kind of altered a little bit when they there's a there's a bit of flashback stuff, um, and you kind of think this is great you know this is really inventive and interesting and the fact that it takes place in the uk and in tokyo they they do a good job of balancing those two things i think those two locations very far apart locations um so everything was set up for me to absolutely love this and uh i didn't and I'm still oh, trying to figure out why. That that was quite the cliffhanger. Yeah. <laughs> I genuinely yeah, you know, oh, yeah. many crime fiction. Okay, go on then. So you no. can't quite put your finger on why. Well, I do know why. It's that I loved the Japanese characters. So uh, Kenzo, who's the detective, mm. and his family were absolutely I brilliant. know. I felt exactly the same mm. way. And I didn't want him to come to the UK at any point. I know, right? <laughs> But it was interesting when he did, and uh, I'm not going to spoil it, but there's another significant Japanese character that comes into it at some point, and uh, he's fantastic as well. And their relationship and the way they kind of, you know, kind of converse is really interesting. Um, it's the British characters yeah. that 
really actually by the end of episode two started to do my head in. Kelly MacDonald uh, and Will Sharp sport that first episode. Yeah, me too, yeah. I, I like them both. I mean, Kelly MacDonald is a fantastic actress, I think. Um, and obviously Will Sharp, I've only seen him in whatever, Casualty, whatever it was. And um, so great, it was great to see him land a major role. I just found that characters really annoying and extremely one-dimensional. And we get to see some characters in episode two and three that are basically right out of the uh, the Guy Ritchie school of characterization. Mm-hmm, yeah. And you're just thinking, I love these two J- Japanese guys. I love his the procedural element of why he's over in the UK. And his family dynamic. Mm, Absolutely. Yeah. Love all that. Love the way it looks. Love the way it feels. You know, there are, there's a hit woman and there's a London gangster that you, and, and even, you know, Will Sharp's character, who is a, a, a half Japanese, half British sex worker, which I think is a, a great idea. You yeah, know, it's an interesting he, character, isn't it? It, it could it, be an interesting character, absolutely. I suppose. Absolutely. Yeah. And I just, it was just like, no, it just feels like a cardboard cutout, you know, and uh, just a, an extreme cl- walking cliche, you know. Do you know what? I'm so glad that you felt this way because. I was thinking, oh, I'm going to come in and I'm going to be the negative one again and say that I didn't like the British sides of it. It's so I'm so pleased that you felt that because once we got out of Japan, I felt it lost its momentum and I felt every time he interacted with an English actor or an English character, it just didn't feel like the same show. It just felt like they'd wandered in and I was really disappointed by the by that. I was trying to figure this out, right, and um, why these the British characters annoy me so much. And um, I tried to figure out, is it just me? You know, because everyone has a subjective, visceral reaction to characters. They either like them or they don't. You know, it's just one of those things, right? But I, I, do, I did wonder whether this sort of quite one-dimensional, pastiche characterization of the British characters, especially, and even actually, let's face it, the Japanese people, they're Yakuza. They're, that's a stereotype mm. in itself. Yeah. And I do wonder whether Joe Barton was trying, it was aiming for almost like a live action anime feel to this with characters that were over the top and were pretty surface, really, because that's kind of what you get in a lot of anime stuff. Because I'm going to keep on watching. Yeah, because I love the central story of one conflicted traumatized man with secrets uh on a mission to find someone in an alien you know location i think there's still mileage in there i still really liked that and like that aspect of the story uh, i'm just gonna have to put up with you know with these ridiculous london characters really because what i thought about it the japanese family in in a way you could say it's quite cliche because his daughter's like this dropout and causing problems at school. And I like, really like that scene, seen, though. But I really liked it all. Yeah. I really, really liked it all. The scene where they're chatting about being expelled and it just felt really naturalistic and believable that a father and daughter would have these conversations. But as soon as they got to the UK, I sort of... I found myself drifting and at one point checking my email and thinking, no, you've got to... You can't just listen to this. You got to well, you, you're going to get a surprising. I can't remember whether it's episode, end of episode two or episode three, 
let's just say the daughter comes into it much more. Okay. I, I thought she would arrive into it a bit more at some point because it seemed to be there was a lot of character development if he was just going to leave her in Japan for the rest of the... Yeah. Did you have anything else to add, Matt? I think we sort of all got um, the same views for one. Yeah, I mean, I I think I'm absolutely identical to certainly to Paul. I really like the style of it. The so when they nice. change into the into the flashbacks, into the different sort of uh, ratio, and and just the his performance was was excellent. I don't know in the same way if when you say the the British character, but it was when they were on screen alone. It's like I don't really care about the Kelly McDonald character or or the Will Sharp character. It felt like, yeah, a lack of focus, maybe. It needed just more focus on that one story. It almost felt like we have to have two or three stories because that's what we get in these sorts of spiralling crime dramas, isn't it? You know, mm. we'll focus on the on the three... Like the Nordic Noir influence, that, mm. that adds the two or three different storylines all linked to the same murder the same sort of central character and the sort of the meeting with the will sharp character as well felt very sort of contrived oh he just happened to see him in a pub and and then you know you got him to go into this club with him and things like that and i did really like the animate the animation as well and i'm glad yeah, glad to hear that will continue kind of wish there was more, more of that um mm. actually that sort of mixed media approach mm. i just found that you know, it's as I say, it's quite a traditional old school noir detective story, really, at its heart. Forget all the window dressing of the mixed media and all the rest of it and the, and the cross kind of continental stuff. It is at its heart an old school detective noir story. I wanted it to be darker. I wanted mm. it to be this kind of racked traumatized Japanese man not knowing where the hell he is trudging the London streets that's what I wanted more of it wasn't as much of a fish out of water story as I was hoping no. I suppose no. the the Will Sharp character and the uh, Kelly McDonald character even though she is another a British policewoman uh, felt almost like uh, kind of comedy characters were sort of lightening the mood and I didn't even though they're involved in really dark things, uh, their their presentation as characters were almost kind of quite light-hearted, and it sort of upset the balance for me a lot. The, and, the thing uh, we didn't see, which I really liked, was the the guy they, they sent the guy called Terry over to, to Japan as his yeah. replacement. That would have been interesting. You wanted to that series? Him. Yeah, I wanted yeah, that. Yeah. I wanted to see. That, whereas Kelly McDonald didn't interest me, but I wanted to see how Terry was getting on in Japan. And I must say, the British police characters that work with uh, Kelly McDonald's characters are ludicrous. Yeah, I saw Tony Pitts in there. From, yeah, uh, him uh, is I just mm. like the most ridiculously stereotyped, gnarly police people you've ever seen. And they're just not believable in the slightest. Whereas... I don't know, there's just something about the Japanese guys that are entirely believable and the rest of it isn't. It's so weird because normally we're quite black and white. We go, I like this, I don't like that. Mm. And this has so much promise. But yeah. Yet... You really want to love it, right? You yeah, really, I do. really want to love it. I want to shout about it and I want people to watch it, but then I think they're going to have the same visceral reaction that we did because all three of us saw it separately and all came to the same decision that half of the show 
is just not that interesting, and that's such a shame. It is. I think it's a real shame. So Gui Haji starts on Thursday at 9 o'clock. There is so, so much promise there, but the delivery sort of lets it down. Um, I, you know, I really wanted to love it. But I think we can all agree, as good as these dramas were or weren't, we're all here to talk about The Wall. From Danny Dyer on BBC One. This is a new game show on Saturday nights on BBC One. So this is a new game show where people can win big money if you can get the questions right and the wall is your friend. The wall being sort of this computerised... Do you know what? I'm going to be dead honest. I didn't fully understand how the wall aspect of this worked. (laughs) I'm going to be dead honest. I know I'm probably not the brightest spark and I should have understood it, but it's another one of the game shows, really, where it's not... Obviously, you've got to know the answers to the questions, but apart from that, there's no skill involved at all. It it felt like, how can we do tipping point again without being sued? (laughs) Yeah, in fact, they don't even get to press the buttons on the wall, do they, at all? It's so annoying. I mean, let's talk about Danny Dyer as a game show host. They don't even trust him to read the questions. They get the voice of Angela Rupert in instead. That was the one thing that really struck me. I was thinking, okay, right, Danny Dyer, you know, whatever you think of him, you wouldn't necessarily put Danny Dyer and a quiz show together. And, in fact, you wouldn't in a million years. But, however, I was willing to give it a go because you asked me to, and then I, (laughs) I, and I, and I thought they're not even allowing him to ask. He was, he's kind of just some cockney cheerleader, really. Yeah. The contestants are just sort of jumping around, shouting at this wall because they want the ball to land in big money sort of section at the bottom. And they're shouting and jumping at the wall. They've obviously been told you must look and animate and shout and have lots of fun. And Danny Dye keeps saying, oh, the wall giveth and the wall taketh away. <laughs> God, it's like he's uh, in the room. Everyone was a treacle or something. Yeah, they? exactly. And he does all that. And he's, you know, I quite like Danny Dye, so it's fine. But I can imagine that a lot of people don't. But it's just weird, man. It's, it I, is so it took weird. It took me uh, a long time to get used to the format. And then... You know, you had this bit at the end, yeah. where, uh, this contract signing business where Danny Dyer holds this kind of like <laughs> weird fluorescent <laughs> cylinder, which uh, is like something out of a weird science fiction film. And, you know, you've got an element of like eggheads where someone has to go off in a different room. Mm, yeah. It's just like all the quiz shows in one thing. Like yeah. I said, there's yeah. an element a tipping point in there because to win money on the wall is basically all down to luck really wherever yeah, there's the no skill goes. no uh and then it's actually down to whether the people activating the wall like you or not really. yeah quite possibly you know <laughs> what's interesting if you look at say pointless or the chase right you've got like a bunch of different contestants being asked questions and i've been getting because i've been working at home quite a lot recently so i've been watching hardball uh, with Aurea Dubra on BBC Two, and that's really good as well in terms of just like you've got this chase element uh, where you have to answer loads of questions. But on the wall, you've just got two contestants throughout the whole hour, mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of quite a, a change to what we're used to, really. Taking the game show element out of it for a second, one thing that I noticed, first of all, there's, there's a studio audience 
who is just dead throughout. They don't get involved. They're not really that invested. And secondly, Danny Dyer really struggles to chat to the contestants. He, he never comes out of his... Have, to have a normal... Com- Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Conversation. Yeah, he, he seems unable <laughs> to do it. He seems unable to just chat to them as a person to another yeah. person. It's that, really awkward. I think, yeah, I, I mean, you mentioned the chase, Paul, and I think on the chase, Bradley Walsh has that relationship with the contestants, doesn't he? Yeah. You know, he's on their side. He's with them throughout. Um, whereas here, we, I think that was the feeling I got from you know you had the big video package about these characters and you saw them with the families and they told you why they wanted the money they wanted to go to Australia and so you were meant to be rooting for them but I think it was just that they were there for far too long you know you're used to on these game shows having a sort of revolving door of people just to keep the attention going and I just felt everything was played out you know they lingered so long on each question on each decision before it was actually made. And I just found it really sort of repetitive. And Danny Dyer was sort of, because like we said, he didn't get to read the questions. Right. It made him sort of divorced for me. He had to stand yeah, there looking bemused while Angela Rippon, the voice yeah. of Angela Rippon. And, was and there was some weird faux flirting from obviously mm. pre-recorded Angela Rippon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the connection that Danny should have with the contestants isn't there because he's not reading the questions out at the same time. He's just not. He's just sort of watching it from the side. Like he's just got a better seat on mm. the stage floor, hasn't he? Really. And because I, I, there's no sort of rostrum where where the contestants or the quizmaster is uh, behind, they looked a bit lost, like walking around this yeah. massive yeah. sort of space. They're just sort of pacing up and down, and Danny dies. Or come on, baby, come on, baby. <laughs> And they're like, oh, Danny, you're talking Cockney, just like in EastEnders, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. And like, you're right, the studio audience did not have a clue how to react no. to this. They probably and didn't understand what the hell was going on. And also the, the contract thing, which is like the big sort of yeah. twist, if you like. They didn't mention that at all. No. They could have said, don't forget, no. she can sign a contract. Has she already signed it? They could have built up some tension there. Yeah, they, and then they, they just added yeah. that on at the end, completely It's like, we know you've got this figure that you said you'd leave with at the beginning. Will you get more than that? You know, they, as you, yeah, you say, they didn't build the tension up at all. And this was something that the BBC were really sort of promoting at Edinburgh. This was one of the preview clips. They said, you know, this was the... A bit of a twist on the Saturday Night Game Show, you know. That was the thing. We've got Danny Dyer hosting a game show. That is the the hook, you know. Well, I feel like they made him a bit of a spare part in his own show. It didn't have any charm with it, which Danny no. Dyer can be charming if he's allowed to be. And, and yet, just... 
And yet, the very final part of it, where this contract business came into it, that was actually quite tense. But you're right, there was no flagging up of it. There was no kind of warning about that. Suddenly, it was just like, right, you've got to sign a contract and there's this weird fluorescent cylinder out of a sci-fi film that has come from nowhere and but now you've got this real dilemma this real jeopardy moment right at the <laughs> end i actually quite like that bit but the rest of it it just felt like about 10 different quiz shows all kind of shoehorned into one weird thing my mom and my dad are absolute kind of uh quiz show fiends they watch you know the chase every day pointless every day I can understand it because it's addictive, right? You want to play along with those guys too. And Could I don't... you see them enjoying this? Uh, I don't think so because my mom hates Danny Dyer. Uh, <laughs> okay, I think okay. so. That's, and that's also the problem. If you don't that, like, if you don't like Dyer, him, you're not going to watch it, are you? You're trouble. Whereas yeah. someone like a Bradley Walsh, a, uh, uh, an Alexander Armstrong, a Knit Knowles is fairly... <laughs> You know, middle-of-the-road guy personalities, you know what I mean? They're not chalk-and-cheese sort of people, people that you can just watch without actually having too much of an opinion on them, you know? Absolutely. Um, whereas Danny Dyer is is obviously... Divisive, my... yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, so the... and, and this was a game show rather than a quiz show because I learned this at Edinburgh yeah. this year. You stand on a game show, you sit on a quiz show. Okay, so if we're calling this a quiz show, but isn't that just following the blueprint, as we mentioned right at the top of the show, throughout the decades? It is a generation game type of yeah. It is a Saturday night, mm. jump around, be silly, high energy kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? And who's to say it was the opening episode? I was struggling with the format. In a couple of weeks' time, when I'm down with the format, I might think, actually, this is quite you know, fun and it kind of follows that kind of game, Saturday night game yeah. show. I, ju- I just would argue that it wasn't that high energy. The contestants were, but the atmosphere yeah. wasn't that high energy. If, really. if you could transport the uh, audience from, say, the X Factor into the war, <laughs> that, it'll be like some sort of game show on speed, you know, on steroids. Yeah. Sort of prime be... time X Factor, not like modern day X Factor. Yes, that's right. This is going to be high energy because it's time for our game show. It's oh, time God. for Paul <laughs> to, to see how Lovely to be on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'll see you later. See ya. Guys. You're contractually obliged to stay for this bit. Okay. This is Boxmaster. Okay, let's begin. So we should say this has no relation to Ken no. Bruce's Popmaster on no. Radio 2. Just, no. the, just part just, of the name. Just shut up. And the format. No, no, no. And everything else. <laughs> and everything else about it. So well, I'm scared this, about it. Apart, apart, from, it. apart from the TV element. Yeah. yeah, I've been a, a TV journalist for 25 years and now my reputation is going to just be gone in an instant, isn't Let's it? Let's hope so. That would make for interesting audio for people to hear, wouldn't it? Okay, then. <laughs> so your bonus questions you can have one and done or in the hospital what do you fancy oh blimey um i'll go for in the hospital and i'm probably going to regret that 
because there's going to be loads of questions about Holby City and I don't watch Holby City or Casualty. Well, you'll see. Um, Uh, Right then, question one. I did a bad, bad thing from Chris Isaac was the theme tune to which HBO drama series? Oh my goodness me. Uh, I don't know. It was True Blood. Okay then, question two. Can you tell me the name of the explorer who has walked the Americas, the Nile and the Himalayas for Channel 4? Um, oh my god. No, I can't. Okay, well you don't have to. <laughs> it's Leveson Wood is his oh, name. I definitely wouldn't have known that one. So the first in the hospital question. Yes. Which Holby City character? No. Oh, you're kidding. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> James, James Bolan, Peter Bowles and Richard Wilson starred in which hospital set comedy? Only when I laugh. Yes, they did. <laughs> off the mark, come on. <laughs> Question four then. Yes. Which family lives at 742 Evergreen Terrace? Uh, I don't know. You will, you'll kick yourself. I know, I will do. Think sure. about it, 7.42 Evergreen Terrace, have a quick thing. If he doesn't know it, he doesn't know it. <laughs> I don't know, it's not, it's, um, I'm, this... I told you I was going to be bad at okay. this. What? The Simps- it's The Simpsons. Oh, of course it was, yeah. Okay. The dreaded year question is question oh, okay. five. The Hollyoaks, Father yeah. Ted and Game On all started in which year? Oh, it's going to be 90s, it is... Uh, I'm going 97. Oh, two years out, 95. We were so close. Right, we're, we're taking you back in the hospital now. Okay, I think I might need to after this. <laughs> Which London hospital is currently the setting for 24 hours in A&E? I'm, I don't watch the show, so I don't know. Yes, yeah, St George's Hospital in London it is. Uh, question seven. Paul Isaac doubles as which fictional Cornish setting in Doc Martin? Oh. Port is in the name. Is it Port Levin? See, I want to give you that. It's Port Wen. I think uh, we should give him that, though, because he may have just misheard it. Yeah. The Dead of the Jericho is the first episode of which ITV crime drama? Oh, now I've really set myself up there. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to take a guess because I don't know, Midsummer Murders. No, it's Inspector Morse. Ah, uh, okay. I have won quizzes before, by the way. <laughs> If this is the thinking, who is this chancer that you've got on who doesn't know anything about anything? The final in the hospital question yeah. oh, okay. is... In which year again did Holby City start? Okay, just, well... Um, just guess it. You don't have I, to know. Um, I know it. I don't... Oh God, it's going to be a guess, obviously. I'm going 90s... Is oh, it, it has an anniversary this year. Yeah, it did. Big anniversary this year. 
I'm going 93. Oh, it had a 20 year anniversary this year. It would have been 99. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And the final question. Andy Samberg, Taylor Lautner and Andy McDowell have all been the lead of which BBC3 comedy? Andy Samberg, Taylor Lautner and Andy McDowell. Oh, I don't know. It also stars other Greg people. Davis, Helen Greg Davis, Helen Baxendale. Yeah, that would be a show called Cuckoo. Ah, uh, of course. Again, I didn't watch it, so, you know. No, that's fair. Nor did we, to be fair. How did Paul do? Oh, Paul. Um, have oh, you I've counted the Doc Martin? Yes, with break okay. records. And yes, I yeah. Nine, Paul, sorry. Nine, okay. Well, that that's, that's a score. Well, I didn't get nine right. I got... One right, didn't I? You got two. You got two right. One was a oh. bonus, so you get six for a bonus, three for a standard. Oh, so yeah. My my confidence is shot now, guys. I'm going to have to go to a counsellor after this experience. <laughs> well, no. If it had been all crime drama questions, you would have been fine. Although you, been you do right. know about only when I laugh. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, ask me about really uh, kind of silly shows from the eighties. Then I might have a chance. All crime dramas, or both. <laughs> My memory of only when I laugh, and I haven't seen a lot of it. Were the three of them just always in a hospital bed? Did they ever get out of the bed? At any I think point? they were they were in hospital for about seven years. I think <laughs> they didn't actually have any operations done or anything. <laughs> they just sat around and just chatted. I think that I remember about uh, only when when I laugh is uh, the kind of vintage pajamas that they used to wear. <laughs> That's my memory of it as well. It was and the slippers that they used. It was very much of the time, and uh, the slippers looked so luxurious that they used to wear. And um, yeah, that's all kind of. uh, It must have been a more carefree time for the NHS to let them stay in those beds for that. Very much so. There wasn't quite the demand for the (laughs) NHS. There is twenty-nine episodes over four series, so four years at least they were there. (laughs) Four years in a hospital just talking complete nonsense with a bunch of people that were now obviously friends because it's almost like their families completely forgot about them and the doctors as well. (laughs) Apparently the last episode they were discharged from hospital. All three of them on the same day. I reckon they must have been completely institutionalised when they got out. It would be like college or something like that. They should have done like, didn't they? Did they do a follow-up series like on the outside? I know they didn't. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they should have done it with anyone with that. Well, outpatients. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'd actually watch that. I'd have actually watched. Oh, I just love the idea that now we can't get a bed in anywhere, and they were there for four years. Four years in a hospital, man. Can you imagine? They're like bed sores and tiles <laughs> and everything that they got from just like lying down all day. No wonder Dear. Richard Wilson was so cantankerous afterwards, really, was it? Oh, he went pretty much straight in that into one foot in the grave, didn't he? Which <laughs> apt when you think about uh, yeah the titles of those oh. shows, really, and the amount of time he spent in the hospital. Goodness but... me! Well, thank you so much, Paul. You can find more of Paul's work online. At his website, killingtimestv.wordpress.com. Check yes. it out. If people want to follow you on the old social media, where can they find you? I'm at sun underscore of underscore Ray. Uh, or you can follow the Killing Times on Twitter. Thank you.
Thanks for having me, guys. It's lovely to be here. Rate and review us wherever you find us. I think that it's programs like this that help people realize that they're not alone. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes, and Facebook. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.